This Word on Fire Minute is brought to you by Advantage Futures. As Catholics, we must take advantage of new technology to spread the faith. Wordonfire.org is on the front lines, featuring the work of one of the church's best messengers, Father Robert Barron. At wordonfire.org, you'll find inspirational podcasts, videos, audio sermons, books, DVDs, and the Catholicism Project. It is one of the most ambitious efforts ever to promote the Catholic faith to the world. Catholicism is Father Barron's global documentary series, filmed in high definition and now in production for TV and DVD. Father Barron's series will illustrate the beauty and depth of the church and explain the Catholic faith on our own terms. It will be an exciting new way for families, parishes, and schools to teach Catholicism. Preview the production, join our email list, and contribute to the Catholicism Project at wordonfire.org. Become part of the story today. This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us, so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, to understand what the first Christians felt about Jesus, we have to pay close attention to our reading for today from the book of Deuteronomy. I know it's not a book maybe that you spend a lot of time with naturally, but it's a very important book for understanding how they felt about Jesus as the Messiah. What is the book of Deuteronomy? Well, the word means the second law, the Deuteronomos, the second law. Think of the book of Exodus as the first law. Well, Deuteronomy is basically Moses' farewell address to the people whom he had led out of Egypt. They're on the verge of entering the promised land. Moses will not join them, but he gives them a kind of long farewell discourse. The passage for today is taken from the 18th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. You might want to read it when you get home. Take out your Bibles and just read that chapter of Deuteronomy. Moses speaks, mysteriously enough, of a prophet like himself, whom God, he says, will eventually raise up. Like himself, but greater than himself. Since God, he says, quote, will put his words in his mouth. And he says, one's fundamental relationship to God will be determined by one's relationship to this figure. Listen. Whoever will not listen to my words, which he speaks in my name, I myself will make him answer for it. Whoever this mysterious figure is, who's coming after Moses, will be like the great prophet and patriarch, but he'll be greater than he. Somehow, one's life will be measured by one's relationship to this figure, in whom God will put his words. How powerful this is now, the more you think about it. Moses was the greatest figure in Israelite history. The liberator, the lawgiver. More to it, he's the one who, like Adam himself before the fall, walked with God in easy fellowship 
who saw the face of God, whose own face thereby became brilliant. Moses was the most intense mystic in human history, the one who climbed the mountain of the Lord and conversed with the Creator. This is why, of course, Moses became the touchstone of all of Israelite life. All teachers, priests, rabbis, etc., they all trace their spiritual heritage back to him. So, for example, a teacher would say, I was taught by Rabbi so-and-so, who was taught by Rabbi so-and-so, going all the way back to Moses, who was God's friend and who received the law from God's own hand. Okay, given all that, here is the question. Who is this one coming after Moses who is greater than he? Who could this possibly be? How could another human figure, one simply taken from among the Israelites, possibly be of higher importance than Moses? I mean, after Moses, you've got Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, you've got the Maccabees, you have all these great figures, but no one ever claimed they were greater than Moses. It'd be hard to imagine that this coming figure would just be one more in a long line of prophets. He would have to be it began to dawn on Israelites, not just another spokesperson for God, but God's own word in the flesh. Now, with all this in mind, with this Deuteronomy background, let's turn to the New Testament. One of St. Matthew's favorite motifs is this one, Jesus as the new Moses, or the prophet greater than Moses. He picks up this theme from Deuteronomy and makes it central to his gospel. One of the clearest expressions of it is in Matthew's presentation of the Sermon on the Mount. We know the scene well from Matthew chapter 5. Jesus goes up on a mountain, like Moses, who went up Mount Sinai. And Jesus, the new Moses, brings down a kind of new law. He gives the Sermon on the Mount with all of its exhortations and recommendations. But here, now listen, here the comparison becomes a bit strained. For Jesus does something that even Moses would never do. Something Moses could never do. He claims authority over the Torah itself. Jesus said, You've heard it said, but I say, well, what's he talking about there? You've heard it said, where? Well, in the Torah. You've heard it said in the great law of Moses, but I say. What he means is that he has an authority beyond even that highest, unsurpassable authority of the Torah itself, that he had authority beyond the authority beyond which there was no appeal. You see how kind of staggering, how unnerving all of this must have been. This is why the people say in Matthew, Who is this who teaches not like the scribes and Pharisees, but with, the word in Greek is exousia. It means authority, but the word's interesting. Usia means substance. Ex means from. So he speaks from his very substance. 
as we saw, the practice of Israel was to say, I learned this from Rabbi so-and-so who got it from Rabbi so-and-so all the way back to Moses. Nobody dared speak on his own authority, on his own exousia. No, no, you traced your teaching back. But that's precisely what Jesus doesn't do. He speaks on his own authority. Good news? Well, yeah, we see it from our perspective. But how disturbing that must have been for a lot of Jesus' hearers. You know, a book I referred to before is uh, Jacob Neusner's book called The Rabbi Listens to Jesus. And he puts himself, he's a, a Jewish uh, scholar, a theologian, but he puts himself back at that time. What must it have been like for a Jew to listen to Jesus? And he says, well, I would have reveled in much of what Jesus said. I would have found lots of things fascinating, inspiring. But this, he says, this I would have found objectionable, the claim to that kind of authority. Now, the gospel for today, which is taken from Mark's gospel, is a version of this. It's Mark's version of Matthew's claim that Jesus is the new Moses. What do we hear now in this gospel? We hear that Jesus came to Capernaum and entered the synagogue on a Sabbath where he began to teach. So far, so ordinary. Any bar mitzvah adult had the privilege of speaking in the synagogue and commenting on the scripture. Nothing extraordinary about that. But then it says, listen, quote, The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now, there's that word again, exousia. Once again, we'd probably pass this over and say, well, yeah, sure. But it meant the world to a first-century Jew. Again, the ordinary teachers, when they stood up in the synagogue to teach, they would have appealed to their own teachers and authorities back to Moses, back to the Torah, which was finally unassailable. But again, then there's... Jesus doesn't teach that way, but with his own authority, out of his own usia, his own substance. You know, friends, to give you some sense of how astonishing this would be, imagine this. If I got up one day at church or spoke to you now over the radio and blithely said, well, you've heard it said in the gospel, but I say, or worse, If I were to get up now on on a Sunday in the pulpit, or I'm saying to you over the radio, well, Jesus has said thus and so, but I say, well, I mean, you'd be astonished indeed, and not a a good astonishment. In fact, you'd probably call the radio station and ask that I be removed, and you'd be right. You'd call the pastor and say, that guy shouldn't be preaching. Well, see what that meant for a first century Jew, for someone to say, well, you know, Moses says thus and so, but I say. You see now why so many people were, were puzzled by Jesus and, in the end, turned on him. This was a very extraordinary claim to make. He preaches in the synagogue. He claims this great authority. And then we hear this. Into the synagogue there rushed a man with an unclean spirit, possessed by a devil. And the devil knows who Jesus is. I know who you are, he says, the Holy One of God. It's a fascinating theme, isn't it? 
the demons in the Gospels often know long before ordinary people do who Jesus is. Now, they don't love him. They're not there to give their lives to him. But by God, they know who he is. They know he's not one teacher among many, but rather this holy one of God. They know what we're supposed to know, that the prophet greater than Moses, whom Moses himself predicted, had arrived. He confirms now with his speech what Jesus had claimed by speaking with authority. Then, things get really interesting. See, because to this point, you might say, and many people in the crowd probably said it, well, this guy is crazy. This guy is a blasphemer. This guy is a dangerous pretender. Just like you would say if I got up and, and said, well, well, Jesus said, but I say. But Jesus makes things extremely interesting by doing much more than claiming authority. He exercises and shows his authority. How? He says to the man with the unclean spirit, quiet, come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsed him with a loud cry and came out of him. What's going on here? The claim to God's own authority is now ratified by showing power, yes, even over the spiritual realm. Jesus will show in a number of ways his power over the material realm by his healings and his cures and so on. But here he shows something even more extraordinary, a power over the spiritual realm. No one standing around missed this juxtaposition. That's to say between what Jesus claims about himself and what he shows about himself. Here's the reaction as Mark describes it. All were amazed and asked one another, what is this? A new teaching with authority. Again, they knew all about rabbis. They knew all about charismatic teachers. You know, if if someone specially gifted at biblical interpretation came along, they would have said, well, that's wonderful. But something much stranger is happening here. It's a new teaching with authority. Okay, you've tracked with me now this whole sermon, and you say, well, okay, so what? Here's the so what. In the presence of this figure, we got to make a decision. Are we with him or are we against him? If he is who he says he is, if he is God's own word made flesh, he's the one greater than Moses, well then, friends, we can't be indifferent about it. We have got to make a decision. If he is just one more teacher among many, who cares? But if he is God's own word made flesh, we have to decide. We've got to give our whole life to him. Jesus' authority calls forth conversion. That's what this gospel is all about. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. 